Father, we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for an opportunity to worship you in giving. We thank you for all those that have gathered here today to hear the proclamation of your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soil of their hearts, whether they're present here in the sanctuary or listening online. We ask that it will touch their hearts, go into the uh, lowest depths of their hearts and gain great root, that there will be word that they will live by and that you will be glorified in. Father, we thank you and honor you for all these things. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are into our second episode of our series entitled Be Healthy. And today our focus is on our heads, our minds, being healthy in our minds. And the key for that to happen is a word that we have heard a lot. And it's something that we sometimes neglect. And that word is wisdom. Gaining wisdom is a lifelong pursuit. You're always going to be seeking wisdom. And in order for this to happen, God has this desire. He wants to engage our minds as we learn how to live in his creation. God wants to engage us as we are being engaged and engaging. And sometimes we don't make that correlation or that connection, which causes us to miss out on opportunities that God has for us. So this episode, the subtitle of this episode is The Mindful Path. The Mindful Path. When we started out our first episode, our episode number one was called Wholeness in Body. Being whole in your body. Then and today, we're going to be talking about the mindful path. And to continue out that thought, the mindful path is the path of wisdom. So our definitions for today, healthy is conducive to health, wholesome. And this is a word for those that will happen to be taking the SAT or the ACT. Salubrious, which means favorable to health. Mindful, mindful is regarding with care, bearing in mind heedful, observant, and path is a way or a passage. And so it's a double entendre, sort of, because we're saying being mindful of your mind and the path that your mind is on. Regarding that with care, being observant of the things that you are allowing to be in your mind. Proverbs first chapter, starting at the second verse. We're going to go down to the seventh verse. It says this, English Standard Version, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, 
to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, we ask that your word will resonate in our hearts in Jesus' name. So this leads us to this, this thought process, this, this movement of how do we discover wisdom? How do we mess with wisdom? We hear the word being wise and walking in wisdom, but what does it really mean when we start talking about wisdom? Although I didn't, because it was so long, I didn't put it up as a, one of our definitions, but in the original Webster Dictionary, this is how Webster described wisdom. He says, the wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge. I want to say that one more time. Wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge and of the best means to accomplish laudable ends. This is wisdom in act, effect, or practice. If wisdom is to be considered as a faculty of the mind, it is the faculty, facu faculty of discerning or judging what is the most just, proper, and useful, and if it is to be considered as an inquirement, it is the knowledge and use of what is best, most just, most proper, most conducive to prosperity or happiness. Wisdom in the first sense or practical wisdom is nearly synonymous with discretion. It differs somehow from prudence in this respect. Prudence is the exercise of sound judgment in avoiding evils. Wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment either in avoiding evils or attempting good. Prudence, then, is a species of which wisdom is the genus. And so wisdom gives us what we... what uh, what. Uh, Mr. Webster was saying is, it gives us the ability to evaluate and discern which direction we should go. But what is the foundation of wisdom? What is the foundation of wisdom? The foundation of wisdom is knowledge. Because if you don't know, guess what? You don't have anything to evaluate from. That's why when we talk about people being naive, that means they do not know. And because they do not know, it is sometimes easier for them to be manipulated because they do not know. But wisdom, knowledge, and the application of that knowledge based upon what you know is a revelation of 
your wisdom. If we were to jump back into the scriptures again, it says, verse number two says, to know wisdom, to have an understanding of wisdom and instruction. So not only to know the knowledge, but also instruction to understand words of insight, words that have People have gone through things and you read those things and you now have a knowledge of that. You can then provide yourself direction on which way to go. To receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity. To, to give prudence to the simple, to knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let's stop there just for a moment. If we do not provide foundations for our youth, our expectation cannot be that they will know what we know. There is a, a proclivity of generations that I have been witness to and I have done myself without really knowing it is because, because I already know that that is a certain way I may not tell my children so they go in and experience it afresh and it has a different effect on them. Why? Because they did not have a foundation when they went in to learn something. We sometimes just make the assumption because we know that during the uh, gestation period of our children, what was in our head also was given to our children. If that happened, then we wouldn't even need to have children. Y'all catch that in a minute. But because their minds are blank, they're empty, they, they do not have any knowledge besides what they are able to bring in through their senses, we also have to also look at the way by which we are going to provide them with knowledge. Now, if you came up in my generation, a lot of us needed some physical encouragement in order for us to get knowledge. And as generations went on, now most gener the majority of most generations use that as the last alternative instead of all three alternatives. And so there is some changes that occur that are good, but there has to be some communication in order for the knowledge to be delivered, acquired, and applied. Uh -huh. So in order to give knowledge and discretion to the youth, we have to have action. We have to prove, we have to interact, we have to be present there in order to make that happen. Amen. Why? Because we know that most youth think they know more than their parents. Y'all, okay, I know y'all, none of y'all did. But anyway, <laughs> I thought I knew more than my parents. And uh, I remember this older lady, her name was Miss Bryant, and Miss Bryant just told me to keep on living. Amen. 
And once you keep on living, you find out that what you thought you knew was not even a drop in the bucket of the knowledge of your parents. And so knowledge and discretion to the youth. Sometimes I, I, I have, I have uh, watched how some young people like to impo uh, put themselves in the conversations that they think they know about and then end up getting themselves embarrassed because they don't know what they was talking about. Discretion means that I am going to observe and I am going to operate in a way that I can get understanding before I put out my information. But because the youth of every generation think they know more than their parents, they believe that if I go ahead and say my part, I will show them how smart I am. It is better for people to think you smart than for you to open up your mouth and remove the doubt. <laughs> so we have to be discerning. We have to use knowledge. And this is what uh, Solomon was trying to teach to his sons because it is important for us to have wisdom in how we interact with others and sometimes how we interact with ourselves because it is easy for us to say that I am not able to do something because I don't know how to do it but it's even better to say I'm going to learn how to do it so that I can do something and so let's talk about the four characteristics of biblical wisdom. The first characteristic of biblical wisdom is practical. A lot of the folks say common sense. But if you live for a while, you'll realize that what we call common sense ain't all that common. And so we have to realize that the ability to apply the knowledge and the understanding that we have received and to help others is not something to make assumptions over, but it's better for you to say, have you considered this, instead of watching them jack something up. <coughs> and so as we're going forward and we're looking at this, it, it, this, this practical wisdom allows us to cope with our daily things and, and, and refer to our skills and to, to do those things that are very practical. The second one is the one that a lot of young people like to think that they already got wrapped up is intellectual wisdom. So when you hear the word understanding and knowledge, well, that's what he's talking about, having this intellectual, having this understanding, having this desire to understand and to know what things are. The third type of wisdom is moral. And that one, moral wisdom, deals with self-control. Controlling yourself. That's why if you're reading in Proverbs, you'll see it says things like right and fair and discipline. 
having that self-control. As I said before, and if you read Proverbs, you might run into this. It's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think that you are intelligent than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Just look straight ahead. I ain't talking about nobody, all right? Just look straight ahead. The fourth type of biblical wisdom is the Proverbs. The proverb, what it does, it draws you into the mysteries of life. And it has these parables and these riddles in it that cause you to think through how you are going to interact. You know the best way to learn something is through somebody else's experience. They say experiencers a good experiencers a good teacher, but why can't I just learn from somebody else? See, when I was growing up, though, like I said, you you had physical reinforcement. Um, I, I should say, I had physical reinforcement quite frequently. Lady Yolanda was 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 quite the opposite. I think that's why God put us together because she remembers every whooping she got and can count it on two fingers. Uh, Oh, three fingers, she said now. She says three. So uh, while me, that would be the morning routine just by itself. No, I didn't get that many whoopings. It's just I got frequent whoopings. In second grade, in fact, I got a whooping every, uh, paddling every day from the start to the finish of the school year. And then on the day I went to go pick up my grade card, my teacher said something to me. I responded, and she said, let me get my paddle. I grabbed, snatched my gray card off her desk and ran back home. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so I just want to say, some of us needed, needed, needed experiences and didn't learn that well from the experiences of others. But it's, if we can observe and see how not to do something, it's a lot of times better than us having to go through the experience ourselves. That is why uh, I've noticed that a lot of, of men that have younger brothers and they get themselves incarcerated, they will do everything that they possibly can to not have their siblings follow their same path. They try to talk to them and try to inform them, don't do like I did. Go down a different road. Why? Because sometimes somebody else's experience can give you the knowledge so that you don't have to have the same experience. I love that words that you said, suffer. So as we look at these four characteristics of biblical wisdom, practical, intellectual, moral, and experiential. This is something that we have to look at constantly. You never, if you remember what I said at the beginning, you never stop gaining wisdom. There's always opportunities. In fact, one of the, one of the recommendations that I make to people is if you want wisdom, then read a chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. And guess what, how many chapters of Proverbs there are? 31. 
So that means if you do on the first, you just read the first chapter. And if you miss a couple of days, you can either go back or you just stay with the rhythm. Whatever day it is, you read that chapter. If you continue to read that over and over and over and over and over, you can do it repeatedly. So then it becomes a part. And you start going through and highlighting something that really speaks to you. And you, it starts becoming a part of your mind and goes into your spirit. And then next thing you know, you start changing how you act and interact with other people. Why? Because it is important that we operate in wisdom because we are children of the Most High. We are representatives of the God of the universe. And if we want to be the good representatives of the God of this universe, then guess what? We got to do it the way that he says. And when we do that, It makes us better representatives. It causes us, y'all, parents, don't answer this, but you know you have your good kid. You know you have your knucklehead child. I said don't answer this. I said don't answer this. You know you have your child that will do everything that you ask when you ask without no questions, Without no, they'll just jump on it and get it done. And then you also know you have the one that asks you 50,000 questions before you can even tell them it is what you want them to do. Then they give you reasons why they should not give it at the, do that at the time. But the bottom line is this. You know that child. And you change how you deal with each one, what is that called? It's called wisdom. It calls wisdom. And then you get to the point where you sit up there and you say, I know you're getting ready to try this, and you start heading off their little ways of trying to maneuver out of it, and you begin to make them wise that they don't know more than you do. One of my notes says, have you ever dealt with a know-it-all? Oh, yeah, you can answer now. Yes. Have you ever dealt with a know-it-all? It's incredibly annoying. If you have any reasonable amount of knowledge about something they're describing, you will immediately recognize them as a fraud. They may be smart, but they overstate their knowledge. A few simple, knowledgeable questions about the topic will have the person squirming and make everyone else in the room aware of their charade. Having a know-it-all attitude can create major problems in your relationship with God. We need to adopt humility. Recognizing God's ways are higher than our ways. He invites us to engage him with our minds, but this will always involve humility. There was a time when, unfortunately, Changes require, when we have to do changes, there is this extreme pendulum swing. So at first, when we first started, we talked about knowing God required our minds, our hearts, our souls. It required everything, our bodies, everything 
to get an understanding of God. Then we got hyper-spiritual where forget about your, your mind and your body, but you've got to get your spirit right, your spirit right, your spirit right. And then when we start having the conflict of our, we can be saved, but our actions can still be, yeah, all right? So then we had to swing back and we had to say, all right, now let's get our look so that we look like we're saved. We look like we're godly. But then our soul was all jacked up. So, so we keep doing this pendulum swing. But God is saying, if you use my wisdom, I tell you how to change your spirit, how to change your mind, and how to change your body. The first thing is that we change our spirit. We get our spirit re-energized by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then we daily change our mind by understanding the scriptures. Then what we do is change our body by changing our actions based upon what our spirit and our mind have began to understand. But if we keep trying to separate and regulate how we only do one part at a time, it will always have failure. The wisdom is having the knowledge of I have to change my spirit, I have to change my mind, and I have to change my body or my actions in order to conform to the image of God. And that's why a lot of people say, well, I don't want to change or I can't accept Christ in my life. Why? Because I have, I'm doing all these things and I, need, I know I need to change all these things. But I want to let everyone know that the wisdom of God is this. He'll take you just like you are. And he will take whatever deficiency you have and help you to overcome whatever deficiency that is. And through the knowledge of his word, through the fellowshipping of other believers, provoking one another to good works, he will cause a change, a metamorphosis to happen in your life. But we have to acknowledge that we don't have all the knowledge so that we can go to God who has all knowledge and he will assist us in becoming all that he has called for us to be. It's not a hard process unless you make it hard. And it only becomes hard because there's certain things you don't want to change. And when you don't want to change those things, then you say it's God's fault that you are not being successful. How come God just can't let me be the way I am? Because there are some things that are in you that will not in the end be beneficial to you. God who has created you, God who has made you, God who has knew you before you even became a person on this earth knows what he designed you for. And he knows what he has put in you. And he knows the glory that can be shown to others through him working in you wants that to happen for you. As we talked about before, as we are being a blessing to others, it causes us to be additionally blessed. In order for us to reach the full 
I'm going to make up a word. The full level of blessedness, blessedness, yes, blessedness, we have to be fully humbled and uh, complicit in doing what God has called for us to do. And when we do that, the blessings of God flow through our lives and it begins to touch other people. But we have to get the knowledge because knowledge is the foundation of wisdom. We have to get the ability to apply that knowledge so that we can walk in the wisdom that God has given us. And our practical wisdom will give glory to God so that people want to be more of what God has called for them to be because they walk in or they observe you walking in what God has created you to be. I want to finish with this. Verse number 7 of First uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7. It says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that word fear means respect. The respect of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The acknowledgement of who God is in your life is the beginning of knowledge. But then he gives the contrast. If you don't want to be wise, guess what you're going to be? A fool. It says fools despise wisdom and instruction. So my challenge to you today is, where are you in this journey? Are you in verse, are you in 7A or are you in 7B? And if you're in 7B, then you're going to have complications and you're going to blame everybody else. But guess what God has provided? He provided an opportunity for you not to be considered a fool. He says, if you respect me, I will start establishing you in knowledge, which will get you into wisdom. And I want you to not be a fool. All right? If you have not really made up in your mind how you want to operate in this thing, let me tell you, it's better to operate in the power of wisdom than in the power of foolishness. Jesus gives this example. He says there were these two men. I'm going to call them Freddie and Willie. And they both were building houses, and Freddie built his house on a firm foundation. And Willie built his on the sand. And rains came. And Freddie, because he had built his house on a firm foundation, watched the rain go by. And Willie, because he had built his house on the sand, watched the rain go by along with his house 
and everything that he owned. Because your foundation is crucial in your life. The thing is, you can change your foundation from the sand to firmness or a rock, as it said in the scriptures itself. And we would love for you to do that. We would love for you to be locked into that firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. In order for that to happen, though, you have to accept what Jesus has done for you, and that is he has paid the penalty for your transgression. He, he has done something that no one else could ever do. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And to accept this gift, the Bible says it like this. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for with the heart one believes and one is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It even goes on to say, for everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so once you do all these things, then the process of gaining the knowledge, gaining the foundation, gaining the wisdom begins so that you can conform to the image of Jesus Christ and being the son or daughter that he desires for you to be. But now we don't want you to do this by yourself. We want to come alongside you. The way that we say it here is that this is not an individual event, but it's a team sport. And so with that said, we want to let you know that you can contact us once you've made this decision. And we will come alongside you. You can contact us either through email at info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864 864- Nine two zero zero one zero zero, and we will come alongside you no matter where you are in the world and assist you to becoming more knowledgeable so that you can have more wisdom, so that you can have more respect for God. And once you begin to go through those processes, you will have a victorious life in every situation. Let us know. And we'll come alongside you and assist you. Well, friends and family, that's chapter, uh, episode number two, The Mindful Path. The Mindful Path is wisdom. Hope you have gained and heard something that will be an encouragement to you through today's uh, message and that it will cause you to be a better beacon in whatever environment you're in, that you'll walk in the power of wisdom and not as a person that does not have wisdom. I don't like calling people fools, but as an unwise person. So until next time when we come together, I just want to let you know this, that God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.